for Mother's Day, I spoke about Mary. Do you remember that? Anyone who was here, anyone at all, please say yes. Everyone remembers the message. You wrote it down. You live by it. Thank you. Thank you. I saw that hand. Mary, I spoke about the mother of Jesus and how she had done some things um, that, and the way that she lived and the way that she saw things and how inspiring and how it can encourage us to do similar things. Well, I want to give another message about Mary, but it's not Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's, um, it's another Mary. So we're going to be speaking about Mary this morning. And I want to read from a passage of scripture. It probably won't be the easiest to read. Uh, for you, but I will read it to you, so that's okay. Okay. It comes from Luke, excuse me, Luke 10, 38 and onwards. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. The New Living Translation puts it this way. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, in a passage like this, it's a well-worn passage. It's one that many of us have read before. But it's one that, for me, poses two questions outrightly. And the first question is this. Where are you positioned? Now, it's very clear from the story that Mary was positioned at the feet of Jesus. Where you position yourself physically says something about you. Do you know that? Do you know that where you're sitting in church right now says something about you? Most people have got their chosen seat or at least the seat nearby to their chosen seat that they like to sit in on a Sunday. And that's okay. There's no problem with routine or anything like that. But where you position yourself physically says something about you. In class, where do the naughty children sit? They sit at the back. Why? So they can get away with things. So they can sit and crouch down and be on their phones and type and do whatever they need to do in the background of the things and not be in the foreground. Where do the traditionally good children sit? Right at the front there, just putting an apple on the teacher's table and that sort of thing. Okay, that's that's how how it goes. Where you sit says something about you in terms of sometimes you're sitting in a position because you came early and you prepared for that position. You knew if you didn't come at a certain time, you were going to sit in a place that wasn't where you wanted to sit. Or you came late. So if you're sitting in the back row right now, how's it, how's it, Graham? Hey. Um, <laughs> you know, that could say something about you as well. Now, people choose to sit in the back row of church as well because it's a, let me just hide here and see how things go for now. And as I get more comfortable, I'll come more towards the front. It can be like that, or it can just be that you got up a little bit later than you wanted to get up, or the kids were a little bit more tricky than you thought they were going to be. Where do you sit at a concert? Where, where do you pay the most money for? Golden Circle. Okay, if there's a show you want to see, it's not even a question. You will fork out the extra hundred bucks or whatever it is to get right up close to the band, as close as you can possibly be. It shows 
that you make an effort, that you love it, that you've, there's something that you want to get out of that. Position costs you. Position costs you, and it takes effort and energy. You want to sit in the front row of class, you're going to have to put up with some people saying that, you, that you're a bit nerdy. You want to get to the front row of a concert, you're going to have to fork out a little bit of extra cash. You're going to have to put up with a lot of people pressing you from every single side. Uh, you want to get to the front here and beat Peter to his normal spot over there. You need to make a plan to get here earlier than he does. Okay? Everything, if you want a position and, you don't, and you're not just happy to just sit wherever, if you want a position, it's going to cost you. Mary was positioned at the feet of Jesus. Position doesn't just happen. God doesn't fit himself into your busy day. What I want to say is create space. Mary was found in the best place she could have been found that day. And Jesus said it of her. He said she's chosen the best thing. She's done what's right and it's not going to be taken away from her. Create space. You have to be positioned somewhere. Think of your daily life. You've got to be somewhere. And for a lot of you, it's behind a table or a desk. Some of you, it's talking to people. Some of you, it's in your car. You've got to be positioned somewhere. You've got to ask yourself, where are you positioned? Are you positioned at the feet of Jesus, no matter where it is that you're going? Because that is possible. It is possible to, to be driving and be seated at the feet of Jesus. You see, I think we've got a skewed misconception about what it means to have time with God, where it becomes a bondage thing, where I need to wake up at a certain time, spend a certain amount of minutes doing a certain amount of things before I know that my relationship with God is okay. Okay, I've sat at the feet of Jesus right now. But it doesn't work like that. You can sit at the feet of Jesus at any stage of your day. You just need to know that you're doing it. You just need to be intentional about it. You just need to put aside your thoughts and your time and your heart in that space to be able to position yourself there. Maybe you're more like Martha. I can tell you now, unequivocally, I am more like Martha. If there was a gift of martyrdom, I have it, okay? I was given it in spades because for me, I like to be busy. I like to be doing. I don't like to be sitting and faffing and waiting. Um, you know, for me, that feels like a waste of time. That's just my wiring. And I know that there are other people like that as well. If I was in that house, I would definitely have been Martha. I would definitely have been frustrated at the people that are getting the good stuff while I'm like washing the dishes and, and doing the other stuff and preparing things over here. I would definitely have been that. I would have been jealous that Mary got to hear all of the cool stories. You know, and then at the end of the night when I finish washing dishes and she comes into the room and she's like, oh my word, you must hear what Jesus said. Mm. You know, <laughs> don't tell me. Because I've been working hard. That's how I would have been. But Jesus didn't condemn Martha for trying to serve him like she was. I think that's important. He doesn't belittle her or berate her or chastise her or say anything like that. What he says is, Mary's doing what she should be doing right now. And she's chosen actually what is better. But he didn't say anything negative about Mar what Martha was doing. She was doing a good thing. But at that moment, there was another thing she could have been doing. To sit down 
at the feet of Jesus is a massive effort for me personally. It is. How about you? Do you think of your daily life? Do you run from Sunday to Sunday? Or do you run from religious meeting to religious meeting and Wednesday it's Prayer Connect and Wednesday it's Connect Group or whatever it might be? Or do we find that time and those gaps and those moments and those opportunities in our day to sit at the feet of Jesus? Mary, I believe, had the same spirit as David had. We know David, King David from, uh, we see a lot of his story mentioned in the Old Testament. He writes this. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. But it's, it's a beautiful passage there. It's almost like the deepest desire of David's heart is just to be at Jesus' feet, okay? Or to be at the Lord's feet, to be there waiting, listening. And I mean, he was a man of doing. This was a serious, serious man of action. And all he wanted was those gaps and those spaces where he could sit down. I mean, I can imagine that there must have been a longing for what he had in terms of, you know, you've got a lot more time when you're minding sheep than you do when you're fighting battles. And I can imagine that in this stage of his life, he was saying, man, I didn't know that I had this amazing time back there. I didn't know uh, that, you know, that the time wouldn't be the same now as it was then. I had time to write. I had time to sing. I had time to make poetry. I mean, this is a ladies' man of note. He could do everything that ladies like. And he would just, and he had all this time to spend with God and meditating and, and, you know, dwelling on the things of God. But things changed in his life and his responsibilities changed and they changed for us. And sometimes you don't realize the season that you're in right now. You see, we say, as soon as I get to this season, I just know I'm going to have those gaps. I just know I'm going to spend this time with God. But you don't realize the season you were coming out of was actually the easier season. Because in school, you think my life is just school. It's just essays and exams and tests and class and extra lessons and extra murals. And oh my word, how would I ever fit anything else into this? Until you start studying at a university or you start working. Then you go, man, how did I have so much time? And you know, I could have done so much more. Um, and it's just like that. And we can live in, in the next stage. But the previous stage, we need to be in the stage we're in. And enjoy that. And take the gaps in that stage. And the gaps do change. I want to say this because, you know, we as a couple have felt guilty over in times gone by where, where our stage has changed. And where now all of a sudden we're not a single, uh, not, not single. We, well, we're not single. Then we're married. But we're not just married. We're married with kids. And when you get to that stage, you think, man, but I had time then. And, you know, I feel like I was doing stuff there. I used to be at every church meeting. I used to be at this and do this. And, and, and now the stage is different. But you feel like you still owe God all that. And that's not a healthy place to be in because you need to understand the stage changes, your seasons change, your opportunities to sit at the feet of Jesus, they just vary depending on the stage of life you're in. You need to know that, but you need to also be able to find the gaps in the stage that you're in. It's not okay to say, well, I'm in a new stage now, so when I'm out of this, I'll get back into that. No, we have to find space here in this stage or this thing isn't going to work that well for us. So, David, I think just a beautiful, beautiful heart coming through there. Do you serve or do you sit? If you like me, I want to sit. But too often, I want to serve God just before I sit. I just want to finish serving before I sit. You know, if I can just finish this, then I know I'm going to sit. And uh, <laughs> time has shown me over and over again that that is not the way to go. Because the day starts with a bang. 
Every day starts with a new challenge. Every day starts with unexpected stuff. And, and then it just runs until it's nighttime and you lie in your bed and go, where did today go? Isn't it like that for most people? You plan to sit after you serve and you say, tomorrow I'll spend time with God. Tomorrow I'll sit at his feet. The people that serve, and here's the problem with just being one of those people that just serves all the time and seeks to do all the time, is that you end up worrying. And Jesus said it to Martha, you worry about so many things. Why are you so troubled about so many things? But it's because in her mind she's got a checklist, and in her mind she's got things she needs to get through. And in her mind she just needs to make sure that X, Y, and Z are done so that everyone else is happy and comfortable. And people who serve tend to worry. Whereas the people who sit seem chilled. And it's irritating, actually. <laughs> but it's great for them. It's irritating for us. We have to watch them be so chilled. Um, because worry isn't a helpful thing. And worry is something that, that very often in the Bible, Jesus himself spoke against. And I want to read just one passage of that now. And says this, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you've got enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And here's... The crux of this, these verses. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live right, righteously and he'll give you everything you need. This is a verse for people who worry here this morning. This is something you can take. Sit first at the feast, feet of Jesus. Make sure that you fit and you space that into your day and watch how other things come around it. And so many of us have done that and we can bear testimony to that how we've always serving, but then on those occasions that we can take time out to step out of the serving and to actually be with God, the whole day seems like it's somehow enriched, it's better, it's fuller, it's more satisfying. Everything seems to work, but we can only afford to do that every blue moon. But we know that it works, but it's difficult. But that very much is the key over there. And there's an illustration which I could do for you, but I thought I would just show you the end result on the screen. Um, because many people have seen it. You know this illustration where you get a bucket or a glass or something like that and you've got rocks and stones and little stones and sand and water and you somehow have to fit all of these things into this glass and there is only one way to do it. And many people try uh, water first or this first or that thing first and the only way to do it is to get the big rocks in first. So you get the big rocks in and then you put in the smaller rocks and they sort of fill the cracks. Then you put in the pebbles and then they fill the cracks. Then you put in the sand and they fill the cracks. Then you put in the water and that literally fills all the air. And so... So it's an important, I think the illustration is a brilliant one because what it's saying is put the big rocks in first. 
It's saying exactly the same thing as the verse that was just on there. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put, put that in first, and you'll find that your day sort of is okay to revolve around that. Everything else fits in if you can just get that thing right. So the first thing about Mary is that she positioned herself well. She took the time to sit at Jesus' feet when she had the opportunity. The second question is that, who are you listening to? Mary wasn't only found at the feet of Jesus, but the Bible makes it clear that she was listening to him. Sometimes I wish it was as easy as just being at the feet of Jesus. You know, I go to bed and I think, okay, I'm thinking about Jesus now. If I can just sleep and think about Jesus, that would be great. And I go and I drift off. But to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen and to hear and to spend time. It's a beautiful privilege we've got of having a relationship with Jesus that maybe sometimes we take a bit for granted. But here's the thing about who you're listening to. Input determines output. Always. Input determines output. It determines the result. It's like with eating. Whatever you put in shapes you, literally, with what you're eating, okay? That's how it works. And uh, who you're listening to shapes the way that you're thinking. Watch the news. Reading newspapers. Those things shape the way that you think about your country and your world. If you spend your time around people who are negative, guess what? It's a matter of time before your input starts to look, or your output starts to look like your input. And before you start speaking in the same way, seeing things in the same way, seeing all the things that are wrong, but you never really took much notice of before. But now there's something extra we can be critical about. You spend your time with people who don't build your faith in God. It shapes your thinking in a certain way. I heard this phrase and I loved it. Your friends are your future. And that is absolutely true. And no one knows that better than parents or teenagers or, or you know, anyone who can see who your, who your kids hang out with. And for us in our stage, that's what we look at now, you know. Who are you with? Okay, bring them over. Let's see them. How are they? How are their parents? Let's see. Because your friends are your future. Who you hang around with for eight hours of your day or however much it is, is going to affect the way that you live your life, the way that you think, the way that you treat your parents, the way that you treat your siblings. Your friends are your future. The programs you watch on TV affect the way you think. They really do. And I think very often we just put that down to entertainment. It's in another box. We've got our real life and then we've got our like, you know, after 9 p.m. kids are down box. And anything that happens in there is kind of like it's fine. It's not a big problem. You know, we're just unwinding and de-stressing and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. But what you watch on TV does affect you. And we need to be careful about what we're putting in. Where are you positioned and who are you listening to? You know how it is when you're having people over to your house. I hope it's not just us that do this. But when you do, then you, then you arrange like all of your scrap paper into neat piles. And you put them like very neatly, like OCD neatly on the side of your counters and make sure everything's square and lacquer. You find every little available drawer and cupboard and you start putting things neatly in there uh, because you want it to look good, right? You want to clean up and and make things look good and you, you stack the cupboards and the drawers, put the kettle on, get the food ready. And I'm sure that there were many other people in Mary and Martha's house at that time. I doubt it was just the two of them entertaining Jesus. 
Jesus rarely walked around and didn't have a massive crowd of people following him, stepping into the houses with him, listening to what he was saying, watching what he was doing. And there were many people that would have been there laughing, talking, um, and needing her to help as the host, Mary and Martha. But here's the thing. Mary was busy listening to Jesus. I mean, it's quite an interesting thing. It's not a very normal and natural thing for us to do in the chaos of trying to get things ready for guests. But she just, she saw Jesus and she knew what she needed to do. This was an opportunity and she sat down and she took it. Somehow, Mary managed to tune out all the noise in the house just to hear Jesus. We need to regularly be able to do the same thing. Tune out all the noise that is around us that we so often fill our lives with to be able to hear and to be able to have those moments with Jesus. The busyness of serving God can be a barrier to knowing Him personally. And the fact is we need to take all of us merry moments every day just to listen to Jesus. There's, there's a couple of people in my life that when they speak, you just want to listen. I don't know if you've got people like that, where they just say things and you think, wow, the oracles of the Lord are coming forth. Um, like, where do they get this stuff? You know, do they permanently read chappy papers? They just, everything they say is interesting and, and incredible and uplifting and encouraging. And I just love being around people like that. Their ideas and their stories and their testimonies, they just leave you wanting to hear more and to spend time with them. And I, I with those people, I literally just want to absorb everything that they've got, every ounce of wisdom that I can from the conversation and just apply it to my own life. And Jesus, no doubt, was one of those people that you just hung on every single word. You just loved every Everything he said was, was constructive and helpful and building and wise and just amazing. Uh, and, and he was obviously one of those people that you wanted to be around and you wanted to hear. His words are life-giving. You know what? That hasn't changed at all. It was true for Jesus when he was sitting there and Mary was at his feet, but it hasn't changed in any way. His words right now are life-giving. His words are encouraging. His words are wise. Sitting at his feet. How often do we try to solve our own problems? How often do we want to do things on our own? And, and all we need to do sometimes is just take a little moment to sit at the feet of Jesus because he's got infinite wisdom. He's got infinite good advice. He's got infinite care, encouragement, upliftment that we can take and absorb and build into our lives if we could just take the time to, as Mary did, sit at his feet. The Bible says that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And it really is. God speaks in the direction. He speaks into the direction of our lives. How often do we seek God for his leading in our marriage? in our careers, or when we're making big decisions. We need to be people that take the time not only to ask God to help us, but to sit and, like Mary did, listen to what he's got to say. You ever wonder what Jesus was talking about? I don't know if you ever think like that. I mean, what was Mary so intently listening to? What was she on about? Why was this so engaging and absorbing? And 
Maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, but for me, I look at some of the previous chapters, some of the verses that came just before this, because, you know, here's Jesus, he comes to this house. You've got to put this in a real context. This isn't some fairy tale. I mean, he's sitting in this house, he's getting served his tea or whatever he is. He's sitting there, Mary's there, Martha's serving. There's probably people crowding around wanting to listen. And he's, I, I would imagine he's just telling stories. He's telling faith stories and testimonies of things that have just happened. Uh, like, like, like before he walked in the door, things that have happened. And I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say he was probably telling them stuff that had just, just happened. In the previous chapter, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. I mean, you can imagine the story there. You know, we read it and it's like one sentence. You know, and he feed the 5,000 and there were 12 baskets left. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, but I can imagine him telling it in a, in, a, in a more creative way than that, you know. We were just sitting there and this kid came up with his lunch and the disciples are like, How you know, there was only this in it. It was like a dried up fish. I can't even believe Jesus used it. Yeah, that's true. It was dried up and the rolls were old. But, you know, but there's a whole story that goes around this thing and he's telling and he's talking about these things because all of these are faith building stories and it's all we can trust God. We can put our faith in Jesus. We don't need to worry about what Jesus is going to do for us because God provides miraculously. In the previous chapter, like I said, he fed 5,000. Before that, he raised a dead girl back to life. I mean, you can imagine that. <sighs> wow, tell me about it. What happened? What color was she? Did she start stinking? Like, what happened to, you know, like, like these, are, these are real things that you are, and, and they will know the answers, you know, and it's just a, an incredible thing that you can get these faith stories from Jesus himself. I think it makes a difference because Mary would have known things that Martha wouldn't have. She would have known bits of stories that Martha wouldn't have. Like that Jesus could provide dinner if Martha had to sit down. You know, she would have known that if she had heard the stories. She might have heard things that others hadn't because she was the only one to anoint Jesus' feet for his burial before his death. There wasn't anyone else who even seemed to understand what was going on there. But Mary did. She somehow prophetically anointed Jesus' feet. Did she hear something that other people chose not to or didn't? But she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. So I guess we know that it's not enough to feed your spiritual person once a week at church. It just isn't. It just is not possible. It's as possible as you coming here for a physical meal once a week. It just cannot in any way help you to thrive. So the big thing is, so what? You might already be in a relationship with Jesus but you realize this morning that you've been spending less and less time at his feet listening. Less and less time in his presence, seeking his voice in your life. This morning's message, please don't hear anything condemning in this at all. It's a, it's a call for us to come back to our basic relationship with Jesus. And we're going to pray in a moment, but it's not the prayer that's going to bring you your relationship with Jesus. Unfortunately, that's just the way things work. Position costs. It takes time and energy. If you want something, it has to cost you. It's got to cost you something. And it will cost you because it'll cost you thinking. It'll cost you time. It might cost you energy. It might even cost you finances. But that's okay. This is one relationship you can't neglect. When I was away um, just recently um, in the Dominican Republic, one of the guys there, a pastor that I sort of made friends with while I was there, he said, you need to protect this relationship with Jesus. You know, and I really felt like he was speaking. He wasn't 
this was just me and him sitting by the poolside doing missionary work, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and we were sitting there, and he said, you know, there's a couple of relationships you have to really take care of. And he said, your wife, your kids, and your relationship with Jesus. Don't let the well run dry because you're feeding people out of the muddy bottom of your well versus the bubbling brook of, of being in relationship with Jesus. And it spoke directly to me when he said that to me, just to, just to make sure that I guard that, guard the time that I spend on that, guard the energy that I want to invest in that, that I don't serve before I sit because I know that once I finish serving, I don't have the energy to sit. And it was an awesome thing that he spoke into my life at that time. But I want to share that with you because I feel there's people in here who can say that as well. Because some of us, we just give of our dirty water that it's at the bottom. It's just all we've got left. But there's so much more. So, if you want to become more of a Mary again, we're going to pray now. In fact, we can stand. I'm, I'm done. Let's stand up.